of it like Amazon, right? When you buy stuff on Amazon, you don't need to talk to like five sellers mm. and four meetings. You can just go and buy it. Why doesn't that exist for B2B sales? That's what we are trying to do. Welcome to the Hyper Engage podcast. We are so happy to have you along our journey. Here, we uncover bits of knowledge from some of the greatest minds in tech. We unearth the hows, whys, and whats that drive the tech of today. Welcome to the movement. Hey, greetings, everybody. This is Adil from Hyper Engage podcast. I have a very special guest with us, uh, Jinal. He's a co-founder and CEO at Enable Us. It is a pretty uh, big uh, SaaS platform. It's, uh, it's from uh, San Francisco area. It's uh, helping businesses transform their digital buying experiences more for uh, you know buying, selling uh, buyers and sellers, and uh, you know direct customers. So we'll talk about uh, that as well. Prior to that, he was a part of uh, the co-founding team at Mismo. It's also a remote uh, platform for remote teams to hire on board and. Uh, basically uh, nurture the more talent, mostly on the engineering side, as per my knowledge. And we'll also explore his, uh, you know, long journey at Schoolment uh, as a co-founder and chairman, and also uh, previously the CEO. So thank you very much, Dinal, for taking the time from your schedule. No, thanks so much for having me. I'm super excited. Absolutely. So, Dinal, looking at your experience in the past 15 to 20 years, uh, you know, with vast experiences in the leadership role, uh, as well as, uh, you know, roles on the, on the, on the board uh, side as well. So you've been uh, leading the board for different uh, platforms. So how do you see yourself like initially uh, someone, someone from, you know, as you said, uh, backstage that it's, uh, you know, someone from India evolving it. Uh, the platform gaining all the knowledge, uh, getting starting all of these startups over the over the next fifteen years. What was the mindset? Um, you know, because a lot of our startups are from also originated from India, and uh, the the co-founding teams they have had a similar journey. They're heading towards uh, the same, and they might look up to you. Yeah, no, thanks for the question. So, um, yeah, as as you said, uh, I I grew up in India. Uh, my last name actually means jeweler. And my family has been in the jewelry business for forever. So while I studied engineering, I was always uh, amazed by the the freedom my parents had when they were doing their own business. And so I studied engineering there. Um, I decided to come to the U.S. as a as a grad student in computer science at USC. But back of my mind, I always had that wow, that's the type of life I want to live, where I can have my own business. And so after working for a couple of tech companies, uh, early stage startups, um, I, I, I jumped in and, and, and started, uh, started my entrepreneurial journey uh, with the first company uh, that you said uh, is, is Mismo. Uh, Mismo actually was originally called um, Log of N. And the, the goal was like I was good at uh, engineering and so I would help other companies scale their infrastructure with my skills. But it started, things started growing very quickly. Uh, we started getting demand for more work. And so eventually um, we grew it into what it's called Mismo, where we help companies hire, retain, and nurture engineering teams solely focused on Latin America. Um, so that's, the, that's how it started. Um, since then, I've started a few other companies, uh, some of which are venture-backed, uh, starting with early stage investors like 
Y Combinator, but also we went and raised a lot more money after that. Um, Schoolment is the second company that I started. Uh, it's focused on um, helping kids find the best school of their choice in the U.S. And so, as as you think about as you think about kids staying living in an area and parents wanting their kids to go to the best school that's the best fit for who the kid is. And so uh, U.S. specifically has this notion of school choice where you get your zone school, but you can also apply to other schools. And then there's a whole application process. There is a lottery process which decides whether your kid gets into the school or not. And so we built a software uh, that's now used by more than 20, 25,000 schools in the U.S., where they wow. can use our software to assign these seats to the to the students. And then it's Enablas, mm. and I'm happy to talk more about Enablas as, as we go further. Love that. Uh, I love the way that you are trying to make an impact with schoolmate. Like, I have one question. There's a lot, a lot of, I've got a lot of friends that are bound to uh, go to the public schools. So you got some, pub, you know, government collaborations as well, because, uh, you know, a lot of times, uh, they're just bound to, you know, go to these schools. Like we have friends in New Jersey, they go to Cedar Grove. That's a public school that they they are supposed to go. They cannot afford a private uh, school. So, uh, do you guys have any sort of government collaboration to enable this young talent uh, to go to the school of their choice? Hundred percent. So, all the customers of Schoolment are public schools, school districts, charter schools oh. in the U.S. And so it's 100% selling into the public school space where historically they used to run this process manually on paper, super error prone. Just imagine like one kid applying to a school and application got lost and now they didn't have a chance to go to the school of their choice that could have changed their trajectory. And so that's where we come in. They buy our software. Everything is streamlined. Parents can apply on a phone. A lot of low-income families that cannot afford to take days off, they can actually do it on their mobile phones, apply their kids to school in literally less than a few minutes. So yes, you're, mm -hmm. you're so right. It's 100% government col collaboration focused on selling mm. into public and charter schools. Absolutely love that. And, and, and um, I can only imagine that how big of an impact can make uh, into the lives of these young kids. Yeah, um, you know, because that's 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 where you know you nurture their mindset, you develop the mindset, character, all of that, and it depends a lot. In a, in a kind of country that I'm living, it's big enough a problem. By the way, in Pakistan, the yeah. education, like sixty percent of our population, is not getting the education they need. You know, it's education system for minor elite is so freaking biased that you know sometimes you 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 cannot help it. Yeah, you know, there's like twenty. You know, 20, uh, 100, 120 million people uh, wow. out of school, and they're just uh, they don't have a way to get uh, quality education. Yeah, uh, in, in in the in, in the government schools, and of course, the government is not that you know on the economy side, they're not investing too much. That's a whole different debate. But uh, I, I love the way you are uh, trying to approach this business, and uh, there's a huge amount of respect I have inside for you. Thank okay, you. so my my. Uh, I'm sorry if I mispronounced it. Mismo. So Mismo. more specific, Mismo. Yeah. About it. So Mismo, so you're more focused towards Lady Mecca. What is that reason? Yeah. So um, one of the things when I moved to the US, I realized as, as I started working with companies is um, that there is always uh, more demand for talent than the actual 
technology uh, engineering talent available. And so people are folks are always looking outside. The, the thing that I realized is a lot of times, a lot of companies were hiring in countries like India and other uh, time zones, like I, I grew up there, but there is always a challenge of um, not having enough overlap between um, US and, and those teams. And so to bridge that gap, um, one of the things we started exploring is, are there other uh, 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 places where we could also expand the talent apart from uh, amazing talent in India, so that there's always that bridge between um, engineers and product managers working in the US with the teams um, uh, offshore. And that's where we started exploring uh, places uh, like Costa Rica. And then we, since then we have expanded to around 12 or 13 countries within Latin America. Some of these are small countries like Honduras, Costa Rica, Nicaragua, but also very big countries like Argentina, Brazil. And, and the benefit is mm -hmm. um, you get the, uh, the, the, the amazing talent in Latin America um, at a reasonable cost, but also having a huge overlap with the teams in the US. And so that's what led us mm. to, to build teams there. Mm -hmm. Very interesting, very interesting, because we are uh, pretty much close uh, to the startup community. So it becomes a very big challenge. Not, not the challenge is not only the getting the top notch talent uh, on the customer facing side, on the, on the technical side as well, but yeah. also how they can optimize the cost. Yes. Like uh, sitting in US as a startup, of course, it's pretty glittering to have a startup in the Bay Area, but you know, paying some 150 grand a year is not that possible for every startup. When when it comes to you know uh, making sure that you have the runway for at least six to twelve months, so in that in 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 these kind of scenarios, like how do you see uh, it helping in the tech startup space? Because of course, there there are companies that can go on the manpower. Let's say we have, uh, you know, we have a recruitment partner here at Happer Engage that help uh, get the GTM teams, uh, you know, top-notch customer-facing teams from here, Pakistan, from Canada. But again, the case is these are small businesses on the growth stage, but not specifically the startups because startups want people that are hybrid. They are wearing different hats. They are, you know, multi, uh, you know, skill set. They have kind of different skill set. And at the same time, they get it on a cost that is uh, that is you know helping them get them on a, on, a, on a longer term uh, for a longer term. So yeah, how no, do you see that happening. Yeah, absolutely. So that's exactly those are the reasons why um, it's uh, it's better to look not just within the U.S. but outside the U.S. and in countries where there are amazing engineers, LATAM, obviously India and other Philippines and other areas too. Um, yeah. The the benefit is. If you are in the US, you're always competing with talent, competing for talent with companies that are paying significantly higher and they already have a huge brand name, right? Like companies like Google and Facebook, Amazon, they are always the, the, the destination for these engineers to get amazing um, benefits, amazing salaries and, and stock options and things like that. So for startups, actually it works out even better because as they are still building out the brand name, and they don't have a lot of cash in the bank to pay. Uh, they can actually have amazing hardworking talent that can work long hours, like startup that startups need to succeed, uh, but still not uh, have to pay them a lot of money. And they can still do uh, not just salaries, but also stock options. Um, 
keep in mind that mm-hmm. a lot of these countries still don't have the type of technology companies that are hiring yes. actively in the US, in India and other places. A lot of these companies still don't have that inflow of technology companies that is taking away the talent. And so that makes it easier for startups to hire talent there versus hiring in the US. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, and the, another aspect to it, uh, apart from the cost, apart from the, you know, all of this is actually getting the, uh, you know, nurturing the initial mindset. Uh, it is super important for startups to, you know, not hire such experienced people like, uh, you know, it's, I'm not talking about A players, just like Steve yeah. Jobs used to say, you definitely need smart people. But at yeah. the same time, you need people that you can, that are teachable. You know, you bring one training center, a training and management platform that doesn't cost a lot. Yeah. Uh, because if you know as a founding team and then you enable people. So enablement program can be huge uh, with people from uh, Latin America, from people uh, from Philippines, uh, you yeah. know, people in the in, in the Middle East, uh, in India. There's so much gap, uh, and and uh, compared to companies that are looking for A players, and they they don't have such nurturing uh, ecosystem to you know develop the mindset and develop the uh, I would say the work ethic. A lot of this uh, matters a lot in the startup. Yeah. No. Okay. I think so you spot uh, on that. Yep. I agree with you. Mm-hmm. So on enable us, I've I've seen that I've observed that you're doing three of these businesses all together uh, at one time. Yeah. And uh, I was just thinking that how the dots dots connect. Like talking about schoolment, it's more of a you know enrollment management. Talking about uh, Mismo is more of a you know remote yeah. teams enrollment or uh, you know of course uh, nurturing and all of that. That definitely makes sense. So what about enable us? Like it's yeah. digital experiences you're trying to streamline. Yeah, so that's a great segue into why I started Enable Us. So Schoolming got acquired a few years ago and I moved to the chairman mm-hmm. role. I'm still involved as the board chairman, but that allowed mm-hmm. me to then take a, take some time off um, and 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 kind of think about what I want to do. Mismo also run by my co-founder, so I'm not actively involved in a day-to-day operations. So that gave me some mm-hmm. time on what I want to do next. And then I joined a venture firm as a, as a venture partner and uh, as I joined the venture firm, I also had a chance to think about what were some of the things that I wish I had existed at my, uh, during my time at Schoolman and Mismo. And one of the things mm-hmm. that was very interesting, so as a VC, when you are investing, uh, companies are pitching you, they are creating these decks, they are creating these deal rooms, data rooms for you, and they are pitching it to you and making it easy for you as a VC to review everything ask questions and invest. Now, if you think about the same phenomenon in B2B sales, and I got to see that firsthand at Schoolment where I was leading sales early on, where I was growing the sales team, what I saw was two main problems. One is as a CEO, when I was selling, if I needed something from my team, everyone would stop and help me out. And second is um, the, the thing that I saw at the VC firm is the notion of making it easy for investors to review everything. So that connected the dots. They're like, why doesn't something like this exist in the B2B sales where first, any seller, whatever they want, uh, that could be case study, that could be a white paper, that could be a customer reference. Why can't we have one easy place for them to find it and then create Mm. a personalized deal room very quickly for their buyers make them feel like a VC 
make them feel special by giving them everything they need to review on their own without spending hours and hours in demos and calls and follow-up calls and things like that. And so that led me to, mm -hmm. um, to build Enable Us. Basically, Enable Us is what I said, it's a, it's a sales and buyer enablement platform. It makes it easy for the sales team to find everything they need to sell. And then using that information, they can create a personalized digital sales room for every single buyer. The buyers can review it. They can ask questions. They can invite other stakeholders. They can even sign the deal all in one single place. And so that's what Enable Us is. Mm. And that, that was the rationale on why I started Enable Us. Mm. Very interesting. Like we, we, we talked to a lot of uh, VC firms and, uh, you know, they tend to say that, you know, when I, when we look at the growth metrics of these platforms that are looking for investments and funds, yeah. uh, it, 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 it always takes us like make, it always makes us ask questions all the time because they're not so seamless and they're not making sense. A lot of times yeah. they're sometimes so wishful. Uh, because a lot of uh, startup teams, they are so energetic, they are emotionally so yeah. uh, married to to their idea and you know their, their journey, and they think that in, in a year time, in a year fall, that they're because they have acquired like in the first three months, fifteen customers. That's how that's how it's going to look like, and yeah. they create numbers. So how does this fit for uh, for for this kind of motion for a startup to enable a startup to have uh, sort of a realistic buying experiences or realistic uh, you know, sales metrics uh, for, for their startup to raise funds and sit with investors and make them feel confident uh, on, on, on their, uh, onto their entire journey. Yeah, so spot on. So as uh, in the early days, mostly the founder or someone from the founding team is leading the sales. Now imagine as you're leading the sales, imagine for every sales calls that you have, now you have to send a personalized email, a deck, a case study, a customer reference, and then respond to these questions that they have, send more material, and then sign the deal. As a founder, you only have so much time that you can do that. And so wouldn't it be awesome if the whole process of first, starting from the very first touch point, send them something to review before the call, follow up with the recording of the Zoom call, follow up with proposals, follow up with customer references, if all of that can be automated, then as a startup founder, you can actually manage orders of magnitude more sales and more opportunities and more deals than you can manage today. And so we have customers mm -hmm. that are very early stage startups as well as mid-stage companies and some public companies that are using our software. And the main goal is how do we make it easy for the sellers to sell fast and to sell more? And so that's the whole goal. And so both startups and large companies can benefit from it. Mm. Okay. So how does it fit, fit in, a, in a sales uh, ecosystem? Let's say they're using Salesforce's CRM. They're using, uh, you know, for pipeline management platforms, different platforms that we yeah. can cross too. Uh, so how does it basically uh, plugs in into the existing workflows of a sales team, let's say to a mid-sized yeah. company? Great question. So what it does is we talk to, we have integration with Salesforce, HubSpot, Pipedrive, and other CRMs. So what it does is as soon as a deal gets created in the CRM, automatically we know that a deal is created and an email gets sent to the seller saying, mm -hmm. 
click here to create a personalized room. Now that email, as soon as they click, it already has a couple of things that they should be sharing with the buyer at that deal stage. It's critical. You don't want to overwhelm mm -hmm. them with everything. You only want to share the right amount of material at the right deal stage so that buyers have everything they need to review. They can share it internally. They can get approvals, all of that happening while you send them the stuff. And so that's where it fits mm -hmm. in. And then it sends a link in the less than a minute, you can create this room, send it out to the buyer or the champion. They can start reviewing it. The best thing is when they review it, you know that they looked at it. You know what their job title is. You know yes. who did you they have, share it with. You have the visibility. Exactly. Yes. You, can, you can get their job title. You can see if the CFO looked at it or not, if the CEO looked at it or not, if they can see what mm. questions they're asking. And then you automate the whole process. But literally, instead of doing dozens and dozens of emails and attachments and phone calls, now you have one place. Think of it like Amazon, right? When you buy stuff on Amazon, you don't need to talk to like five sellers mm. and four meetings. You can just go and buy it. Why doesn't that exist for B2B sales? That's what we are trying to do. Amazon-like mm. experience for B2B sales. Mm. Self-serve sales uh, motion. Exactly. It's more like that. Exactly. Because and keep we, in mind. Also got like, yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. You know. And keep in mind that the new buyer is a millennial buyer. They are used to ordering stuff on Uber. They are used to ordering stuff, buying stuff on Amazon. Now, yes. the disconnect is when they go and buy a B2B software, they expect the exact same experience and they don't get it. And that's what we are providing them with the, the notion of digital sales. Mm -hmm. uh, because we, we, uh, we speak to mid-sized companies and they say, we, we're trying to, I wouldn't name any platform, but we'll try to, uh, you know, just explain the cases that they put on a report is the long sales cycles. Yes. A lot of it gets like lost in translation and, you know, your customer or your buyer is actually shooting in the dark. You don't know who has reviewed it what step is it at right now, uh, whether it's uh, internal, sitting in internal view, whether they are not interested at all, you don't have visibility at the exact step where it's at. And that's how I think uh, Enable Us can definitely potentially help these, uh, you know, these subscription-based businesses as well for B2B uh, segment uh, where sales cycles are pretty huge and uh, they don't have sometimes, they just quit. <laughs> They're saying yeah. uh, in the pipeline, in their pipeline for, for longest periods and uh, it's hard, hard for them to, you know, follow up uh, and, and eventually customer gets, it's pretty cold. Yeah. Uh, the buyer gets cold. Okay. So now looking at enable us, like you've been there for about two years now, you're sitting at seed uh, two, three years sitting at seed. So what kind of growth metrics are you guys looking at in terms of, uh, you know, go to market, how you're trying to expand the, the go-to-market motions and uh, acquire new uh, customers and what does the post-sales operations uh, look like? Yeah, so yeah, so we started in 2020. Early on, we focused on getting to the product market fit. We were part of Y Combinator that helped us a lot. And then we raised the seed round in fall of summer of 2021. We launched the actual product in fall of 2021. And since then we have started uh, growing the, the customer base. So it took us a, a few iterations on getting to the product market fit. I mean, that was a fun journey, but finally we got to it. Um, since then, we have grown more than 300% year over year. We right now serve more than 105 customers in more than 10 countries with most of the customers in the US, but we also have customers in Europe and a lot of other countries. Um, 
In terms of uh, where we are growing, so we are growing uh, through three different types of sales motion. We have a direct sales motion where uh, prospects find out about us through places like G2 and others where we are a leader in our category now. So they come to us, we do a demo, and then we um, sell in the product. We also have a product-led growth motion. And what that means is they can come to our site, they can try out the product on their own without ever talking to a salesperson, and they can only ping us when they want to, or they can go and sign up on their own for however long they want. And then we also have a couple mm -hmm. of other uh, uh, partners uh, where we exist on their platform. So we are uh, we exist on HubSpot and a bunch of other partners who are selling uh, mm -hmm. on behalf of us to their customer base. And this is mostly for enterprise customers. And so those are the three Got sales it. motion that we plan to continue to expand and nurture over time as we have seen a lot of success with those. Mm -hmm. You mentioned PLG, like we use a lot of platforms. We're also building platforms and the goal for early stage startup in the first year is to make it self-serve as much as possible. And then uh, geared operations, teams, systems in place uh, to grow the lifetime value of those customers. Uh, when they get bigger, of course, hire CSMs, get them book of businesses, make them served accounts uh, as well as possible and, you know, make sure they adopt, retain and, you know, try to expand them. So how you're trying to invest as a business from a business standpoint towards uh, increasing the lifetime value in the PLG motion? Yeah, so a couple of ways. Um, one is, now think about the sales journey. You talk to the prospect, they like your product, they ask you questions, they invite others, they got approval, they sign the deal. The journey of our software digital sales room doesn't stop there. At that point, what are you doing next? You're going to focus on onboarding the customer. Yes. And that also be the same room in which your CSM uploads onboarding material, onboarding training, and things like that. So now we start getting, now we start expanding into the company by getting the customer success team also um, use our software. That's expansion. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now you are expanding, and then the customer is ready to buy additional things from you. So we collect all the signals that are not just. Um, viewed by the customer success, but also by the account management team where they can see the look, the customer bought the product, they're onboarded, they are happy. It's time to go and upsell something else to them. And so that's how we expand. There's mm -hmm. a lot of land and expand going on through PLG motion where they start with a smaller team, but then they start inviting other team members who are either helping them close the deal or who are helping them onboard the customer and then upsell to the customer over time. That's where mm -hmm. we see the lifetime value of our uh, user. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a lot of these PLG motion uh, businesses, Notion, for example, Slack, uh, Figma, they're, they're loads. So they are, they are sort of uh, monitoring use for as long as uh, you don't get bigger, big enough for them to, you know, uh, make sure that they need more licenses, more team members, more users. So how... Like on the usage-based model, how you're planning out on uh, on the expansion, that is also can be a self-serve plan, and it gets directed to the sales team anyway. Like it's if if your customer post sales team sees an opportunity, how how does uh, that uh, process work around? Yeah, excellent question. So today, yeah, so today um, we actually don't have anything that's usage-based. So 
as a, once you get a license for a user, you have unlimited access to unlimited number of deal rooms, unlimited amount of content, unlimited amount of upsells and onboarding that you can do in the platform. In the future, if our customers want that, we will definitely explore so that we grow with them. I'm a big believer in usage base, but I'm also a believer in um, first letting your customers give you input on what's right for them. Because a lot of customers actually mm -hmm. don't like usage base because they don't have a prediction on their budget versus license based. They can predict what they're going to spend for the year without seeing surprises that I have seen in some of these platforms where month over month, your contacts go up and now you have to pay more. Something else goes up and you have to pay more. And that does create a lot of issues on, especially in this environment, it does create a lot of issues on, uh, is my cost going to keep going up or not? So that's why we have done it on a fixed um, uh, price for unlimited number of deal rooms, unlimited number of content. We only charge per seat. Mm, per seat. Okay. So that means once the team grows, of course, they'll have to pay uh, per user. Uh, once like a lot of these people, like how we're using Notion, I have like two businesses. I've got two team spaces of around 13, 11, 11, 12 people inside. So as soon as I need more, I try to make sure is, is, is it that critical or should I just uh, pass on the logins to one of the users yeah. so we can we can uh, reduce the cost? That happened with Net Netflix at pretty big scale. That's a yeah. question. So how you're seeing and trying to cater uh, this kind of scenarios? Yeah, excellent question. So we we want to be fair, right? Our main goal is just to, the goal of the platform is help the sellers sell fast and sell more. And so mm -hmm. when they want to do that, Sometimes, as you know, in the deal, they might invite their CTO, their CS person, engineering person, uh, sales engineer to help them close the deal. The way the platform is built, we don't charge separately for them. We only charge mm -hmm. if you are a new seller and if you are going to be creating more deals. Got it. So uh, we make it fair so Got that it. we can do whatever it needs to be done to help you sell more and sell fast. Yes. So if you want more sellers, you'll have to pay more, meaning that you, you have more deals coming in to sell. Exactly. So that, that makes exactly. A business sense. Yeah. Great. Great. Janal, it was, I cannot tell you enough that how good I'm feeling having a conversation with you because uh, I haven't found an individual doing a lot of these things. I've done a lot of these things at that scale. So I really, really appreciate your time uh, and, um, and, and the way you've been so genuinely open uh, to share your ideas and your approaches towards these uh, businesses and uh, the kind of impact you are trying to make. So I wish you really good luck and I, I, I definitely uh, see how we can touch back uh, real soon on some of the opportunities I see that you have so much to yeah. offer. Sounds good. No, thanks so much for having me. I'm, I'm a big fan of your podcast, so I'm excited that I was finally able to come and talk to you. Th thanks again. Appreciate it. Take care. Thank you very much. Yeah. Have Bye. a good rest of the day. Thank you. Bye. You too. Bye. Thank you so very much for staying with us on the episode. Please share your feedback at adil at hyperengage.io. We definitely need it. Uh, we will see you next time with another guest on the stage with some concrete tips on how to operate better as a customer success leader and how you can empower engagements with some building some meaningful relationships. We qualify people for the episode just to make sure we bring the value to the listeners. Do reach us out if you want to refer any CS leader. Until next time. Goodbye and have a good rest of your day.